Welcome to season two, episode twenty of Wing It. In. I'm Ali. He's Alex. He's Andrew. Gentlemen, I don't know what happened last night. Yesterday, I, I think I blacked out. Did something happen? Did a game happen? I think I forgot. How are you feeling? If you want to call it a game, that might be that might be given that whatever that was too much respect. Um, you know, it sucks. Today, today sucked. But you know what? It's going to be okay. It is going to be, but we're allowed to be upset. And I think this will be good. This will be good to let out some frustrations because there was a lot to, there's a lot to complain about, to be honest. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. Um, wish I wish I could have thought that there was going to be uh, a, a different outcome. Um, definitely a lot to digest. So, you know, without further ado, uh, I don't think any of us were actually at the stadium. Why don't we just go right into two up, two down? What do you guys say? Let's do it. Alex and Andrews, two up, two down. All right, well, I'll start us off here uh, with the ups. Not too many ups uh, to to discuss. Uh, the weather could be an up, but realistically, this game didn't have any impact on anything. If you actually think about it, a lot of people are saying this is a must-win game. The Eagles had to have this. Um, it didn't really impact anything. And you know what? We win next week with the resting Giants team and Jalen Hurts is at the helm. You know, we'll be heading into a first round bye and then we'll be playing most likely what it looks like the winner of Dallas and Tampa for our, for our playoff game. Um, I wish we'll get into Gardner Minshew. We'll get into what we saw yesterday. But, you know, if we're looking at the positive side of the coin here, this game was absolutely meaningless in the in the grand scheme of everything. The Eagles still have an incredible record. We still lead the NFC even after two straight losses. And guys, I don't know about you, but I think that this proves that Jalen Hurts is the MVP of the league. Ali, what do you think? Yeah, I, I completely agree. You can't discount the guy, the lack of his presence, right? And and how much our offense was stymied. This is one of the highest scoring offenses. I think we were the highest right before Gardner Minshew jumped in, and and we were averaging 19 points every half. And and the fact that we weren't even able to put up any points in the first half yesterday, I, I think, is just highlighting how impactful this guy is on the field. I do have to interject though and say that it does affect something and that mm-hmm. is our draft pick next year that was like the one thing that mm. was kind of just yeah. that extra added layer of, of uh, annoyance that we lost the game is and I know it doesn't matter for this year I I think all of us are really just focused on this year and and seeing what this team is capable of but it definitely would have been nice to help our case for next season to hurt uh to help the draft pick that we would be receiving from the Saints so yeah, no, I, I I think it's all true. It's it's all valid. Um, so is is what it is. Uh, we'll we'll definitely focus on the downs and talk a little bit about what we saw, why we think that they were there. But uh, you know, kind of continuing on the trend with the up. Um, gotta say, you know, the, the the first half, the the defense looked a little bit lackluster. It was infuriating to see Andy Dalton throwing. Uh, 100% on on most of his passes. But at the end of that game and in the second half, we showed again that even though we can let off the gas a little bit in the beginning of games, we really come back with vengeance in the second half. Uh, Believe it or not, that team had seven sacks yesterday. And the Philadelphia Eagles of this season are the first team to have uh, their offensive line have four players with double-digit sacks. Those four players are... Hassan Reddick, who's just been an absolute baller this year. Brandon Graham, heart and soul of Philadelphia. Uh, just absolutely love this guy. My wife always reminds me of how much trash I used to talk about Brandon Graham before. And then the Super Bowl and then like the most iconic play. There's always a 55 at the end of it. 
uh, Javon Hargrave, and then Joshua Perspiration. Um, went down with a gnarly injury, but another up is he's tweeting and he's even saying, Hey, I will be back. He's tweeting. He's end. okay. <laughs> he's, but he said he'll be back by the end of this season. So it looks like he's walking. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw it, but that reminds me of, uh, 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 what's the dude's name in Pittsburgh that went down. I can't believe I'm blanking on his name right now. Uh, the linebacker that went down, he couldn't walk anymore. He's paralyzed after yep. that hit. Yep. No, exactly who you're talking about. I can Bro- see his Sh- face. Shazir. 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 There yeah. you go. Yep. Um, that, it was exactly the the first thing that I said. Uh, my my dad was at the game. Our our podcast friend, Brian Fye, was at the game. And they're like, yeah, he's he's not getting up. He's not moving anything. So another up is that Joshua Perspiration is good. And according to him, he'll be back before the end of the season. I don't know if he's making his own medical analysis, but there you go. What are your thoughts on the defense there, Andrew? Well, I'll I'll just get started on my first up because I will def I definitely want to piggyback off of you there, um, especially highlighting this is the, it's it's kind of a surprise, but it's the first time that Brandon Graham has reached the ten sack mark in his career. I, it, it's very hard to believe that he's never had double digits in his entire career because when I think of Brandon Graham for the last I don't know ten years or so, it's just like complete consistency. He's been here through some of the highest moments, well, the highest moment um, that this franchise has ever achieved. Um, and he was such a pivotal part of that 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 play, the the fumble, the sack fumble recovery against Tom Brady. So congrats, Brandon Graham. Ten sacks. Love it. Uh, that's that's awesome. And then, yeah, I got to add on with with and again, not just because I mean, yes, mostly because. Nope. Uh, I look, I love Temple Temple University. Always Go happy to, to see players succeed in the NFL who who were drafted out of Temple. But holy moly, man, Hassan Reddick, he might reach 20 sacks this year. Come on! It's incredible. Uh, I think he's at 16 or 17 on the year. Um, he, he's up there. I can't remember the last Eagle who, who reached... Who reached this mark? I guess it was. We talked about this actually a couple weeks ago. I do remember when when Jason Babin, who I did I did not like at all as a player, to be <laughs> honest. But the dude, but he had like 19 sacks the one year. So uh, major props to Hassan Reddick for coming in in his first year and just having such a huge impact. Obviously making the Pro Bowl. Um, so yeah, so that is my first up. My second up, yeah, it's tricky, man. Um, you know, Devontae Smith still finished the game with nine for 115. I'm, you know, just looking at some of the stats here. That's really impressive. Um, I guess I'm still going to have to go with, like, even though it was such a, it took forever to get it started, the run game looked good. Like, I know. And it's, it, like, you see Miles Sanders with 12 carries, man, 12 carries. And, and like I'm, I am gonna have this go right into the downs with because there's no point of really wasting any time because there's a stat hold, that hold I on. really want. Yeah, go ahead, Ali. Go ahead. It, so, so one thing that I I didn't realize how close we were to setting an NFL record until this morning. So the Eagles have 68 sacks on the season, which is four away from the 1984 Bears NFL record on Whoa. total sacks in a season. So we're we are four sacks away and from I tying get- an NFL record. I'll look into this the next time I'm not talking or any, anyone, any of us with the Google capability, but I'm curious how the Eagles have done historically against Daniel Jones. Um, because I want to say that Daniel Jones, because he's a mobile quarterback, those guys have a tendency to, to get sacked. Um, so we'll have to, we'll have to do a little bit of digging. Before can I, can I be a Debbie downer here? If, Does it take do away that. its luster that we have an extra week in the NFL now? Um, yeah, maybe, I mean, I, mean sure. there, I didn't even think of that. There were a lot of NFL records that were set last year that nobody really kind of at, talked about that extra game. So it's but, toma- tomato, tomato, but we were the first team with four players with 10 sacks and that happened in 17 games. So no asterisks, asterisks needed. I want to bring up a stat here that is really pissing me off. And I, I, yes, now I have it. All right. So going into this game, the Eagles are the number one pass defense in the NFL. The Saints are number three. The Saints are the third best pass defense in the NFL, and they are the Mm. 21st ranked rush defense. There's no excuse for what happened yesterday. There's no excuse to, and it's not the first time we've seen this, to start establishing some sort of rhythm with the run game in the second half. 
the first half was the worst half of football I've ever seen. And that's that's not even like obviously this year because we've seen some very good football. But like, was it three and out every single drive, every single drive? And then the defense didn't have a chance to catch their freaking breath. Like, that's kind of what also made the defense's performance even more impressive is like the Saints were eating up clock. The defense barely had time to recover because of the three and outs. And then they had to go back out there. Um, so there's just no excuse for that game plan. I, I don't really, I don't, I don't know why you need to try to outsmart yourself when like the stats clearly say that this, you can beat the saints on the ground. Yeah. It's not even, it's, I don't even know if it's, if it's outsmarting yourself, it's like remembering who you are and what your identity is. I think we kind of forget that, you know, because of Jalen Hurts's increased ability to, to pass the ball accurately, that. We're still a running football team. Miles Sanders had two carries in the first half for nine yards, averaged four and a half yards a carry, which is I mean, good. It's it's great, right? Like I I looked at the first five drives for the Eagles, three passes, two runs, then a pass, then three passes, then three passes, then three passes. It makes no sense. Yeah. Literally verbatim what I have. Too many three and (laughs) oh, too many three and outs. And, and I think that just boils down to, and, and we're all saying the same thing. I'm, I'm not saying anything groundbreaking here, but it's like, how do you put a backup quarterback in that's never been a gunslinger? That's never been a gunslinger, and you're making him with, with all like, – the offense just looks so much different under Gardner Minshew, and I don't understand why this week we're still running these RPOs when there's no option. It's either Gardner hands it off or he passes. That's it. There's no, there's, there's no play action. And that yeah, was there's one no zone read. Call. Right. There was a great call during during the broadcast yesterday where they said, even back in the day with Nick Foles, who I guarantee you is not as fast as Gardner Minshew. Not that Gardner Minshew is a speedster, but he can. he's got a little bit of mobility. They would do the read option and Foles would keep it and he would – there would be nobody respecting that other side of the yeah. field. And they he would just go run out of bounds times. after five yards. Minshew had that available and yet saw none of it. Saw none of it. And it's like, it's not like we're trying to protect this guy. It's one thing if you're, if you're like trying to keep a quarterback safe by not having him keep the ball, but there was so much open field. And I just feel like they, they never, they never took advantage of that. So yeah. Can I pose a question to you guys? So we're we're firmly established in our ability to run the run pass option and the zone read. Does it make sense to have a backup quarterback who can't run that system? Does it make sense for us to have someone like Gardner Minshew who's going to run, you know, three miles per hour and, and gain a yard after that zone read? Or does it make sense to go out and get someone who's a little less talented from a from an arm strength standpoint, but we know they can run because they can run that offense? So my first thought is the Baltimore Ravens and kind of seeing someone Huntley, like Huntley exactly back up what Jackson. I was thinking too. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Uh, you know, part of me feels like you, if you have a good scheme, even if you're not mobile, I still feel like you should be able to plug a guy in. I, I don't know. Alex, you know what? You go first. I need to formulate my thoughts better. So first. do you, do you, do you remember that game? Um, I think it was last season or maybe it was the COVID year and it was like insanely heavy rain and snow and it was the Bills against the Patriots and Mac Jones threw one pass the entire game because Bill Belichick said we're just going to run the ball here because it, oh, it was like 40 mile per hour winds. It doesn't yep. make sense to throw the ball here. I think Nick Sirianni love Nick. I think that he thinks he has a lot to prove and he's trying to outcoach everyone and he just doesn't want to play the safe, boring football of running the ball here. There is no excuse. You have to play to your personnel and we don't need to go find backups that we think can run RPOs. I think Gardner Minshew is still probably one of the best backups in the entire league, but the way that we ran the the, the play calling didn't set him up for success. I mean – you can line him up in shotgun every time, but there's no reason he should be running RPOs at all. And if anything, it's a simplified it's, – it's an even more simplified paybook to say, hey, just go and, and run the same exact RPO, but we're not going to fake the handoff and just, and, just, and just throw it. Or just hand it off to Miles, 
two out of three times and on third downs will pass and figure out what happens. So, you know, and, and then and then it's just like even when he needs to pass, I'll go into my my one of my downs is Minshew's in a fourth and twenty two with the game on the line. He throws an eight an eight yard check down. Well, that was just the that was the cherry on top. That but, was just but, like but, I'm but, changing the channel and I want nothing more to do with this game after yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, but but he, <laughs> I mean, in in my opinion, too, he just looked off kilter the entire day. Um, and and honestly, that's worse for him than it is for us. Right. It was said it was said in our chat that like that costs him millions of dollars because he's a free agent right. at the end of this season. Uh, he's not going to be starting anywhere if that's like his last performance on tape, especially if Jalen's back this week. So, yeah, to, an- to answer your your your, your question, um, I-, I don't think we need to go find another quarterback. I-, I-, I don't think we need to do anything else. I think we just need to have a play call that's conducive to our personnel and it can be very simplified. It doesn't have to be complex. Two of those turnovers last week were because it was too complex and people didn't know their assignments and they were dropping balls and they should have been holding on to them. Sure. Again, again, like even though we're missing Lane Johnson and it is pretty astounding how significant our six, like we, the Eagles record is, is so much better with Lane in the lineup than it is without. But even with that being said, we still have a talented enough of personnel where I really feel like you can plug not just anybody, but somebody like somebody like Gardner Minshew, a very mediocre, just uh, career backup quarterback, whatever you can plug when you have AJ Brown, Devonte Smith and Dallas Goddard, and you have a top five line. I just feel like, you know, yeah, you can just simplify the playbook. You don't have to run everything as extensively as you do when you have Jalen in there, but there should be, it's just seems like the adjustment should be a little bit easier than having to just like specifically find a certain kind of quarterback that's going to fit that mold. I feel like, again, when you have that much talent, you should be able to find somebody who's capable and they should just they they should be able to figure it. I don't know, man. That might be ignorant of me to think. I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm just thinking about it from the sense of this is the second straight year that Jalen Hurts has been the starting quarterback and the second straight year where he has not played the full season. And I, I don't think it's a it's a dig on him. I just think this is the risk you get when you have a mobile quarterback because they may get injured. So do you find a capable backup who can run the system, albeit not as well? But do you find someone who can run the system as opposed to having to change your coaching style mm. and change your play calling? I think our opinion of Gardner Minshew after this game is much different than it has been. And yeah, I think that point. up until now, right. we didn't have much of a reason to to want to look elsewhere for a backup sure. quarterback. And I think that yesterday's performance, basically, that was basically his his opportunity and uh, to get a start, you know, it's like on one hand, like, yeah, to get a starting job. So maybe now that makes him cheaper to keep. But but I, I think anyway, you're like, if you're the Eagles, you're probably just you're moving on because he he stunk. Yeah, <laughs> that was, that yeah, was, that was awful. Um, well, my, my, my other down I want to get to is is also just uh, the penalties were rough. Um, I don't want to blame much on the on the refs. Oh, come on. That holding call. It was horrible. It was horrible. Like that Lane Dickerson block that got called back on the Kenneth Gainwell touchdown was infuriating yes but i can't look at that one play and say that that's why we lost the game um we had eight penalties for almost 50 yards it seemed like it was musical chairs of offensive linemen it it was like every other play somebody else's number was getting called jason kelsey was having a rough time yesterday um so it just there's a lot that needs to be cleaned up um i don't know if it's just them getting used to or trying to get used to gardner's voice or or the the differences in the cadences i don't know but it just it just they overall just seemed unprepared and that's why we lost yeah well i also think again that they're trying to run a jalen hurts offense with gardner Minshew there they don't have the chemistry right they're they're, they're messing up their cadences the snap count the way that gardner is is leading command is just different than what these guys have been playing all season here's a question that came up um my wife has actually been wanting me to ask this uh, in front of you guys for a while. So so I, I'm curious on what your feedback is. So obviously that holding call was was awful. I mean, even the announcers were like, this was A+. plus. He was off-kiltered. He was going down. You push the guy down, done. He's going for a tackle. That's not a hold. In that situation, because you have to look at it from the other side too of what happens if you open Pandora's box, do you think 
that every single play, every single play, regardless of what happens, should be, have the ability to be challenged and overturned in the NFL. I, I mean, we're we're kind of halfway through the door as it is right now, right? We've got replay assistance that that goes on, but today. penalties penalties aren't included in that. I, I mean, it's I I already feel like we're we're down this road already, right? Like the it's it's a slippery slope once you open it, and because replay assisted uh, reviews are are kind of a a norm now, I think the next logical step is to look at you know, sort of game changing penalties. Something was was called back because of a touchdown or, you know, a touchdown was called back because of a penalty or something game changing happened because of a penalty. That's kind of the next logical step in the evolution. And I think the next evolution after that is going to be every play is going to be looked at. So they did that with pass interference. Remember when in the we playoffs. had that season? No, they had it all season. Oh, really? It was all season. Yeah. I remember. I remember we played Green Bay in the middle of the year, and we we they they challenged a PI on us, and it looked like it, but it wasn't like so over the top clear. And then the next season, they they did away with it. I don't know what the explanation was on it. My thoughts, and and then I want to hear yours, Andrew. My thoughts are, I think up to that discretionary type call. There's going to be calls where we get a touchdown. And then they throw a flag because they saw a holding and it's going to impact you the other way too, right? Because you could probably, if you're looking at the textbook definition, probably find a hold on 95% of the plays that, that are out there, right? It's the, it's the swivel. It's the, it's the game changing outbreaks. It's watching that defensive lineman go down. Lander Dickerson's on top and they're like, Hey, was that a hold? But it's going to have to work that way. Both sides. You know, I saw this hit on on um, Russell Wilson yesterday. He got picked up and suplexed and thrown to the mm. ground. If that was Tom Brady, you're looking at a fine and a 17-year suspension, right? And it's just like, who has to be better? Do we have to leave it up to the refs to, to, to do better? Or do we have to review everything? Like, what is that? I don't know what the right answer is. I think it's an interesting topic for debate, but I think I'm actually in the camp of, don't review penalties. It's just kind of part of the game because it's all, it's all up to their discretion anyway. Yeah. And I'm wondering, I don't, I, I also don't really quite remember why they kind of uh, are doing without the, the pass interference review. Um, I don't know if it's a matter of the NFL trying to protect the referees and, and because anytime those plays get overturned after being reviewed, it's kind of like saying, Hey referee, you messed up, and so maybe they're just trying to protect that from happening. I don't know. Um, and like the other thing, I kind of have this. I like. I feel like the ball doesn't lie. Like so, there, there's something. There's there's more of just like a, a, a like a supernatural. No, that sounds that sounds a little too wacky. Um, I, I just feel like that the universe finds a way of evening itself out. So if something mm -hmm. happens that shouldn't, or if we get a terrible call caught against us, there always seems to be a way of, I don't know, maybe, yeah, maybe the ref makes a bad call the other way and does help make up for it. Or just something in the game happens that, that helps, helps me feel like the result of the game is not because of that one play in particular. I know that that's not, across the board i'm sure that there are game you know there are games that we can look at especially like hey we look at overtime from the the chiefs and the bills last year and i mean that wasn't really a that wasn't really a, a, a penalty or anything like that but i don't know what i'm i actually have no idea where i'm going no no so, i uh, no i i understand i understand your point you know now that i'm thinking about it here's one thing that's always been confusing to me nfl refs that's not their full-time job Right. That's their side gig. That's their weekend job. That's a part-time thing. Like these are like some of the most people that can influence a game's outcome, and they're not even on payroll full time from the NFL. But they get paid really well, don't they? Yeah, they get paid pretty well, like hundreds of thousands of dollars. So that's sure? their, that's their sure? choice. That's their sure? choice for having another job on top of that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but these guys are like these guys are like lawyers, though, like full time lawyers. Yeah, but okay, <laughs> they have to have could, thick skin somehow. Could, like, could, I don't. Could think you I imagine just like just like just like Hockley going up? It's like, 
after review, jury, the guy did not blow .08. We were going to, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of a <laughs> yeah, funny yeah. scenario there. So, so the um, average, the average uh, NFL referee salary is two hundred five thousand dollars per year. Holding of illegal paraphernalia on <laughs> the defendant. Illegal touching. Oh, no, I'm just, I'm just right, right, right. Um, yeah. So but you, I. But he. But he, 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 here, here's my point with all that. He, he, make them full time employees, and just like how you're watching film all week, have the refs incorporate and 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 be a part of that all week and then it just becomes more ingrained in them because there's no other outside because if you if you're doing it part-time and it's not your full-time thing there's no way that you can do your full-time job and be a perfect nfl ref like give them i don't know quizzes in like the middle of the week or like have like a brawl go down in the parking lot but like who 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 if out of the first punch <laughs> i would need full-time therapy if i was an nfl ref i could not handle that just just getting completely yelled at by monsters by monstrous men and then coaches who can also look monstrous like uh i don't know like like, like a rex like a rex ryan type of dude just like gargle 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 and just spitting on me so so just on that vein i'm i'm looking this up right now so uh nfl challenges were added to the nfl in 1999 although an early instant replay system had been in use since 1986 so i think what happens in the nfl is you see this this new technology like replay assistance enter the game and over time it gets slowly adopted and becomes part of the game and i think what ends up happening is you'll find that players and coaches adapt themselves and their style of play pretty well similar to how like in the early 2000s there was you know the the holding uh you know issues with the colts against the patriots and then come back next year there was a more stringent you know at, outlook on holding on defense but defenders adapted to that but but here here's a difference replay review says was his foot inbounds or out of bounds that's a black and white area there is no in between when sure. you're talking about holding and did he grab and was he making a play on the ball and where were his eyes located you're leaving a lot up to there where i don't know if replay review can necessarily like it like if, if that's the case then take umpires out of baseball completely because there's a there's a actually even sure. the strike zones kind of like there's not sure. an actual height of a strike zone right there's not like an actual, it's like three foot, two inches, is it? I don't it's know. Just this is, this whatever is, this, the yellow square I see on TV. Yeah, no, exactly. But like, is that is that like consistent for everyone? I don't know. I, I think it's 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 a difficult thing to say. Like knees, if you have review, if you have review, like does it do anything? Now I need to look this up. What is the strike zone? Is knees it like, nips. I, I, I think you're right, nips. Andrew. It's knees to nips. What is the strike zone in baseball? If it's between your the, knees yeah. and your nips, you better. The, the point of a of- batter's shoulders and top of the uniform pants. So, like, how the heck could you even bring replay or take away an umpire when that's like kind of like whose nips are at their shoulders? Right. Well, I feel like replay would be more accurate because the umpire's in a poor vantage point. But then, like, are they like looking at his nipples through his shirt? I I, I don't know, man. It's all very bizarre to me. <laughs> Making baseball are, are they are they going to have like little like like electro like little like diodes on like you know on his nipples and <laughs> and on his belt that like illuminates a strike? So I don't know. That's just weird to me. But in my, in my opinion, I, I just don't know if you can bring replay into it. And like I said, if it happens for all the calls you didn't get, it's also going to result in a whole bunch of calls that your team will also get as well, and you'll be. You know, I mean, there was that early call on Quez Watkins that went on called like that was blatant P.I. Like he was there before the ball even hit his hands. Sure. But, you know, sure. Know. So maybe maybe incorporated as part as, as as part of the challenges, right, where you have a limited set and everything that happens after that is is kind of fair game. Yeah. Anyway, I think we sh- it just needs to be NFL blitz style. Eliminate all the rules. Mm. and just start laying the smackdown on well actually no i need to be a little sensitive guys did we see the tribido who is that the guy's name last Thibodeau. name Tib- yeah. Thibodeau, yeah, Thibodeau. Thibodeau. nick Foles just like completely knocked out in pain and then Thibodeau doing not only just doing like snow angels for far too long while Foles is on the ground right next to him but then 
over on the sideline is doing like a, a, a sleepy time type of uh, type of motion. Yeah. Uh, talk about let's talk about class. I mean, <laughs> or yeah, it's it's pretty bad. Uh, I actually shared that today on on Instagram of of doing all of that. I do have to say that that is second to Jair Alexander shutting down Justin Jefferson. There was like this clip. You're trash, bro. Is them tears, bro? Come on, bro. I gotta get you together, boy. Them, oh, the interception. I wasn't even playing. I was wiping your tears off, bro. I was wiping, bro. <laughs> and just Jair Alexander going going back and forth on on Justin Jefferson. Well, that's fine. Hilarious. Justin Jefferson is conscious and and got shut down. True. Jair deserves to talk smack. Nick Foles, Nick Foles needed to go. Poor Nick. Look like he needs to go man. to the hospital. Poor Nick Foles, man. Poor Nick Foles. Poor Nick Foles. So um, I, yeah, what, one one last thing, Alex, because I just remembered uh, how the fourth and twenty two ticked you off that he threw an eight yard check down. What ticked me even more off was the third and twenty two right before that, where he tried to get all of it on that one play, as opposed to just trying to make it more manageable on four. Yeah, yeah, Minshew not there, but hey, I think I think it goes without saying that Jalen Hurts is the system. I think he's the most viable player on the Eagles offense. I think, unfortunately, and I wonder if we have any updated odds, I don't think he's going to be in the MVP race anymore because of him missing two weeks. But um, I don't know. Patrick Mahomes is the favorite, and they almost lost to the freaking Denver Broncos. I, I mean, I just I, – I don't get – I still don't understand how he's like the front runner here. I also I, – I have a question, guys. Uh, riddle me this. Um the Chiefs have lost to the Bengals. Did they lose to the Bengals this year or did they end up beating them? I know that the Chiefs lost to the Bills this year. The Chiefs lost to the Bengals. And the Chiefs lost to the Bengals. Yep. So I see Joe Burrow and I see Josh Allen as second and third in the running. Jalen Hurts, unfortunately, still in fourth. Um, but isn't that's a little bizarre, right? That, that he lost to both of those teams and... If I guess if they would have lost yesterday to the Broncos, which they almost did, I they guess they lost to the Texans. I mean, they're almost they lost to the Colts this year. They've they've gotten and it shapes up so beautifully because tonight you have little you literally have the Bengals and the Bills going head to head in what feels like the MVP championship, um, or I guess what would be if Mahomes had lost yesterday. Even though I still. And I will back this. I will continue to back this up. I don't. I don't know what other case we haven't made already for Jalen Hurts to to be the MVP. And it's we <laughs> we clearly saw that you can't just pop a guy in and have the same success. You saw how much Hurts means to this team. So it's it's frustrating that he's still like not. He's like completely out of the race because of two missed games. But what can you do? Yeah, now we'll see. I mean, I could see Josh Allen winning it. I think he's he's having a really good season. Um, I don't – I mean, the Bengals have really come back from a lot. They start off the year really shaky. But in my opinion, man, Jalen Hurts is, is the front runner, Best team in the NFC. Um, obviously showed that you can't just put any quarterback in there and, and they'll get it done. Jalen Hurts wins that award to me. Yeah, I'm looking at next week. You got the Chiefs going against the Raiders, and the Raiders – I don't know. Now they got a Jared Stidham. maybe a new quarterback. Yeah, they, wasn't Stidham an Eagle? Didn't we draft him? I thought so, but then I also thought of a Stidham who was on the Patriots, and mm, maybe that was. But I think we had a guy like there was a name that sounded like Stidham that was like our third stringer. I want Jared Stidham, Jason Statham. Oh, dude, he was the guy on the Patriots. You're right. Then who the heck was the guy on the Eagles? Was Jared Stidham? <laughs> so you got Chiefs Raiders next week. Uh, you have the Bengals taking on the Ravens, so that's like a kind of like a playoff match and or playoff game. Wait, and then, on Stidham was traded along the seven round pick to the LA Raiders. Okay, with, uh, from the from the Patriots, yeah. Um, and I think the Bills play the Patriots. Yeah, Bills play Patriots next week. Ravens play Bengals. So those are they kind of look like two potential playoff games. So I guess the MVP race is still up for grabs depending on how these final two weeks go. Um, but it, at, at the moment, it does look like it's Mahomes, unfortunately. Boring. 
Um, also here, it looks like now, so the Giants, the Giants are officially in the playoffs. They are in. There is no way that they cannot make the playoffs. They have cemented their ticket. And, okay, yeah, so so NFC, we've got Eagles, Niners, Vikings, Bucks, Cowboys, Giants. And in the hunt, we have the Seahawks, the Lions, and the Packers. Ali, walk me through scenarios here. Who controls their own destiny? Who Who's fighting for this, this final spot in the playoffs for the NFC? Yeah, so the Packers, surprisingly, um, given how their season had started, control their own destiny. If they win on Sunday night against the Detroit Lions, then they're in. Uh, if they lose against the Detroit Lions and the Seahawks beat the Rams, then the Seahawks are in. If the Seahawks lose against the Rams and the Lions beat the Packers, then the Lions are in. That makes sense. I actually, uh, yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. So, yeah, Packers Packers basically have the best chance. They control their own destiny. Packers win, and they're in. And that is going to be an awesome game. That's I think that's the primetime game next next Sunday night. Uh, Packers-Lions, they're both 8-8. Eight and eight. Two teams that have both come out of, you know, come back from the dead this year. Um, right. Would love to see the Lions make it. I think that that's, that's like kind of a Cinderella story. It, it, it already felt that way with Hard Knocks during the preseason. And, you know, they, they didn't start off the year too well. And you were kind of like, oh, Hard Knocks. I guess they can make any team look good. But I I don't know, guys. I feel like the Lions are, I feel like they're going to be good for a while. They have a lot of, like, really, really good young talent. Yeah, yeah, I was talking to I was talking to my friend from uh, from Green Bay. I was telling her I want the the Seahawks to lose against the Rams, so that Sunday night game means the, the same amount to both teams. Essentially, she wasn't too happy. She's a Packers fan, but um, yeah, no, it would be nice. <laughs> it would be nice. So, what are you guys' thoughts for? Oh, and the and the uh, player we were thinking of wasn't Jared Stidham. I think we just heard him from the Patriots. It was Clayton Thorson. That was the name that we're thinking of. He was the quarterback that was drafted two years ago in uh, 2019. You and I went to a preseason game this year, mm-hmm. and I swear that like there was a quarterback. Carson Strong is now, who the other quarterback was. Carson Strong was like I, he was like fourth string. There was like a third. I, I, I will get. We will get to that. Damn. The no. Who was that? You're right. We saw this. We saw someone else. Was he like number 13 quarterback? We drafted these players? No, never heard they, of were these just, they were just on our team. Got it. He was it was on the preseason roster, I swear. Um but while we while we try to dig through our brains, uh real quick. Ian AS, Book. Ian Book. No, it's not Ian. I, I remember Ian, yeah, he came from New Orleans. It wasn't him. It's something that sounds like Stidham. But we might just both just be freaking drunk and and, and completely making this. No, up. I. Uh... <laughs> uh, all right, AFC right now. Uh, number one seed is the Chiefs, followed by the Bills, then the Bengals, the Chargers, and the Ravens. So six teams are in. There's one more team fighting to get into the AFC. Uh, so right now in the hunt, we have the Jaguars and we have the Patriots. Uh, I guess the Dolphins may the Dolphins, the Steelers and the Titans are all technically still able to get in. Uh, I know the Steelers hung on to hope last night by by coming back and beating the Ravens. That was an awesome game. I I know. I know, uh, Alex, you're a big fan of Kenny Pickett. You think he's the real deal? I think he's all right. Yeah, I think he's he's been playing pretty well. Um, The small hands don't don't they, they they don't they don't worry you. That's not my he's not my quarterback. I'm just saying I think that he may, you know, I, I think that he may actually be OK. It looks that way. I mean, they're um, I think him and Pickens, Pickett and Pickens, that's going to be a really fun connection for for years to come. So uh, that would be interesting if they're able to, to, to get in there. But it looks like the Jaguars might might have the best shot. Um, so, yeah, that's. That's about it for the playoffs. Now, this week, the Eagles, if they win, they lock up the number one seed. The Vikings had an opportunity this week to 
catch really catch the Eagles. They if the if the Vikings were able to win this week against the Packers, they would have had the same record as the Eagles, and um, that could have caused some issues. I also know so Reed what is Sinet. That's who it was. Thank you. I'm. Thank so, you, I've Alex. just been looking at this. Reed Sinet is okay. on our, is was was on our practice squad. He's not there anymore. Perfect. All Reed right. Sinet. I, cool. I can sleep tonight. Yes, Th- that is that is wonderful. Wonderful. Um. So. Eagles win and they get the number one seed. I guess what could have happened or what can still happen for the Eagles to technically play a road game in the first round of the playoffs. I mean, this is not going to happen. You know, it's not going to happen. But I mean, you know, just to look at perspective, um, you know, what what is still possible? Because the Cowboys... I hate I, I don't I hate speaking these words. I I want to like wash my mouth out right now. But the Cowboys can technically win the division. They can technically win the division if they beat the commanders next week and we lose. But they would be the number two spot at that point. If San Francisco wins their game, they would take the number one seed. Mm. Do the Vikings have any opportunity at this point to I get think, the number I think one? They seed? ruined it yesterday. They did. And they got. They got their butts handed to them. Yep. Against the Packers. Okay. So, yeah, it looks like the 49ers are... Are they the scariest team? I think so, man. It is not Brock Purdy. I mean, I think that is the key definition of system. But even yesterday, he was making some... Like, that end of the corner end zone throw to Kittle. I mean, he he was doing some nasty looking stuff. I mean... We've been trying to call a game that he's going to mess up, and he just he just hasn't yet. Um, and their yeah. defense is scary good. Their offense is really explosive. Um, I do not want to play the 49ers. I don't know if we could hang with them. They're the only team in the NFC right now that scares me. Yeah, I, I look at personnel-wise, and I think that they are the closest match. Um, I You know, they have a... a an outstanding running back. Christian McCaffrey's phenomenal. He can do everything. And then you have two really good receivers with Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. And then they have a pro bowl tight end in George Kittle. So the Eagles can match them in weapons, but I think where the Eagles have the edge. And I think if, and when it gets to that point, I think that's where Jalen hurts shows that he's the MVP. And and I think he would be the deciding factor in that matchup. Um, but with that being said, I want no parts of the 49ers. That is a scary defense. That yeah. is a talented team. But yep. I think that Jalen versus Purdy, I think that's the one thing we could feel. I mean, I like I like the 49ers. Like if we can somehow get through and let someone else beat them, or maybe it does come to a point. I mean, the Chiefs don't really scare me. The Bengals don't really scare me. The Chargers, the Ravens, like none of those teams really scare me. The only one that kind of does the Bills just because – um, Allen is, is really, you know, accurate down the oh, field yeah. and, and, and Stefan Diggs just given all that space do, does scare me a little bit, but we'll have Chauncey Gardner back. Um, we got Darius Slay, so it, it's not the biggest thing, but the 49ers kind of, kind of do scare me because those little, the, the kind of plays that they run are the ones that we always go like a lot of bootlegs, a lot of, a lot of stuff that we're, we're, we're not a very good team to, to stop against anyway. And good coach. Um, so that that's t- awesome. So let's talk about Sunday. So, uh, Andrew, you and I are going to be going to the game. Uh, it's going to be four twenty-five on Sunday. We got we got to talk logistics and how everything goes. You know, you're oh, going to get right? loose. We, we, we get talked loose. about that. Yeah. Oh, we talked about this, and you offered me tickets maybe three or four weeks ago, and this game looked like it was going to be completely. Yeah. Meaningless. I was like, hey, you want to go? You want to go here? Here, here you I'm go, like, buddy. It's like, sure, I'll go <laughs> yeah. watch another Chad Hall. Do you remember Chad Hall? Chad Hall was like this little white dude receiver, and you know. I, those are the games that I usually go to end of season, completely meaningless. And I basically go, I go watch the practice squad again. So this is a dream come true, Alex. Well, it will be fun. Um, here's the thing. Is there any chance that Jalen? So on a scale from zero to hundred percent, what is your confidence of what Jalen hurts is going to be suiting up and starting this game? I'm going oh, with 99%. 104%. There's no way he doesn't play. He like, He's too tough of a guy. And I think that this game has, too high of stakes and i think that the team needs a savior after what we just watched if well yeah obviously if we lock up the number one no hurts ali what do you think yeah i think if the season ended yesterday jalen hurts would have suited up because of the implication of that game 
And I think that there's no, there's nothing here for the Giants at all. Like if they win, it doesn't do, it doesn't, it doesn't help them at all if if they win. So they may even be resting all of their starters this game, and we're already going to be going against a pretty deflated uh, secondary and defensive team already, and playing literally their practice squad. I don't care. It, it it makes it a little bit less exciting for me, but I don't think we're going to see Saquon. I don't even know if we'll see Danny Jones out there. I think that that would be really foolish of the Giants, and I'm having trouble seeing them do that. Um, I think that the Giants at this point are playing with house money. I don't, I don't think that they can realistically view themselves as a true contender, and I think that it can maybe give them confidence going into the playoffs, even to just maybe three quarters, two, three quarters playing their starters because they're going, this is an opportunity for them to go up against arguably the best team in the NFL. And if they can find success or keep the game close, then I think that that might be able to give them maybe an added layer of confidence going into their first playoff matchup. Um, but I, you know, I think injuries and just keeping players healthy is always the number one thing, but I don't think the giants have high enough expectations where I think they need to play it safe. Do you remember when, um, we play the giants? I know exactly where you're going. And, and we essentially, no, I'm sorry. We played the commanders and we tanked in the second half and it, and that messed up the giants. Sure. And then the next season comes and we trade ahead and get Devonta Smith. And they were all big on getting Devonta Smith. Do you think there's a part of him that is just so petty and saying we're coming out guns a-blazing and trying to take that number one seed away from you because you've inflicted some years of grief on us? Or do you think they're like, yeah, you know, we got Dabble as our coach. Everything kind of worked out itself in the end. I don't know, man. These division teams are a little bit different. I kind of like the pettiness aspect of it. They may be coming guns blazing. I mean, you mentioned tra- like trading up to take Devontae Smith or, uh, you know, the uh, kind of giving the game to the commanders, which screwed over the Giants. But we're also forgetting about three different miracle in the Meadowlands. There is a there is yeah. a whole entire yellow page book full yeah. full of ways that the Eagles have ruined the Giants lives. Now, the one thing that they can always come back at us with is their number of Super Bowls and good for you um you suck now so it's, it's whatever you know? yeah I don't, I don't like to live live in the past um <laughs> right. but no i i think that's i mean if they end up doing that i think it's just not wise right you're not seeing the forest through the trees at that point you've got so much to to in your favor by resting your starters in a game that literally means nothing in in playoff standings i i just don't see them playing any other start frankly if they have Daniel Jones out there, he's probably going to be in pads, suited up, but he's not going to play. I, I just don't see them, any of their starters playing. Yeah, I guess we shall see. So with that being said, uh, let's do our score predictions and then we'll kind of get into there. I think Hertz will go off. Hopefully we only see him for like three quarters. Like I think the second we go up, scorched earth, you know, get him out of there and then just kind of let, I don't know, Ian Book finish it out. I don't even know if he played Minshew after that um i'm hoping that the eagles win this game have know, you guys thir- seen the li- have you seen the line on the game yet yeah no. seen it. Uh, let me guess is it 16 in the eagles favor it's close good really guess. good guess yeah what is, eagles what, are minus four or 14 point favorites so minus 14 sitting yeah. pretty i'm gonna say eagles 35 right all touchdowns no no field goals um giants 17 3517. Love that. Uh my score prediction is Eagles 42, Giants 21. And I will go uh 33 to 10 Eagles. 33 to 10. All right, to close us out this week, it will be our last week of Swinging It Underdog Picks for the Week. All right, new week, so, new week, same story. New week, same story. We are trash at picking underdogs to to, to win an upset. Um, I had the Panthers uh, to overtake the Bucks. Tom Brady had like the best game of his like entire career over the last like three years, and mm-hmm. ended up losing that game. Yeah, congratulations, to all the Mike Evans fantasy owners. Was he put up like fifty points or something insane like that? Mm-hmm. Um, Andrew Texans they lost. 
Ali, I'll never Raiders, learn. Raiders lost to the Chargers. Uh, I'm sorry, the 49ers in, in a really good game, by the way. Um, so what are our picks for this week, guys? Last last week of the year. And then the current standings are I have 13 points, Andrew six, Ali four. All right. So I've I got a swing for the fences here then. If I've got any chance of of catching you, if, Alex. If you pick the Giants, you are out of this podcast. No, 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 no. I would not. Uh I will pick the Arizona Cardinals against the 49ers. And that's a 14 point. That's a 14 pointer, right? That's the yep. same as the Eagles line. Holy moly. Uh let me see the score again, Alex. What am I? I'm seven behind you. That means I gotta get a little weird with my picks too. I'm I'm looking at that. So here's the thing, man. Like the Falcons are a three point favorite against the Bucks. Like I feel like that screams that the Falcons are going to win that game, and that division is a joke. And then like also like the Panthers, I think are going to beat the Saints, but that's only four points. That's not going to get it done. So what is it? Nine? Is it nine or seven? I'm going to go for the tie here because this game I feel a little bit of confidence in. I'm going to go with the Rams. They are a six and a half point underdog. So that would be a seven pointer against the Seahawks, which would ruin their playoff bid. Baker Mayfield is going to play spoiler. And um, I'm going to go with the Rams to try to try to get back in this thing. Cool. I like it. And then I'm going to go with one. This team has just been unstoppable, but so is the other guys here. Um, I like Detroit, man. Like yes. these guys. Like Detroit. Four and a half point underdog against the Green Bay Packers on Sunday Night Football next week. Uh, give me Detroit. I like it. I think we are good. All right. So hopefully this time next week we will be talking about the Philadelphia Eagles securing a first round by having a full view of the playoff bracket. We'll be talking about predictions on who we want to play, what we think that's going to look like. Um Ali, send us home with any final thoughts. Thanks for kicking it with us, everyone. Uh, This has been such an interesting end to the season. Uh, Three straight weeks of, yeah, we can lock up number one. Um, Hopefully this this last week is what does it. I'm Ali. He's Alex. He's Andrew. Uh Go Birds. Go Birds.